That is all you. All right, we're in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, and I need to review a little bit of chapter 2 just so we can understand uh, where he's going in chapter 3. But uh, before we go there, let's pray one more time. Just to... God, we thank you for who you are. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace and mercy that you've shown us already in this place, God, that you continue to lavish upon us, God. We thank you for being great, for being good, for being a great father, God, and we lift you up. God, we're here together as one, here to give you praise and give you glory to learn more about who you are, God. And we thank you for uh, being willing, for loving us enough, for choosing us to be a part of your church. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all set. Amen. So last week we talked about who we are. We talked about who we are as the church. Um, this week in chapter 3, we're going to focus on a little bit uh, the purpose of the church. Remember, we talked about that word the church. can That can be uh, as broad as the universal church across the world, or that can be as small as a house church in, somebody, in someone's house. All right. So the spectrum is very uh, is is great, and even it, it can even go even smaller uh, than house church. It can be you as an individual, as the church, as the holy temple that is housing the spirit of God. And so, last week we looked at who we are, and I want to read across some of these things just to remind you who you are before we get into what we're supposed to be doing, our purpose as the church. In chapter 2, a couple of things he told us, that we are now alive in Christ. I don't care how dead you feel. I don't care how tired you feel. You are alive in Christ if you have him in your heart. He said that uh, in chapter 2, it talked about how we are loved, that we are loved. That's why I think that song, He Loves Us, resonates so well. We've been singing it for a long time, but every time you sing it, you can just feel God's love, because that is something that we, we, that we can all grasp. We all have our own mindset of what, loves mean, what love means, and we kind of take on whatever our definition of love is in our head when we sing that song. And as we grow in God, the definition of love, because we learn what his love truly is, continues to grow. So we can continue to sing that song, and it can always mean something different to us and something new. Because our definition of love is growing. Uh, You are loved. You are raised up together and we are seated together. As a church, we are together. We are one. Seated together in Christ. Notice this. Uh, You can't can't sit yourself next to God. You can't put yourself in heavenly places without Jesus Christ. You, You can't be above the battle if you are not in Christ. If you're fighting it within your flesh. You always be right down on the level playing field with the enemy. You are saved is what it told us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8. You are his creation is what it told us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You are brought near to God, people who were far off from him. Uh, we have peace with God and all our brethren. It says he, he took down the wall of division that was between the brethren, that was between the Jews and the Gentiles. So now culture doesn't hinder us from being one. Culture doesn't stop that. We can all be one. He tore down uh, the wall of division. Uh, We have access to the Father because we are the church. Somebody should have said amen. Because we can't come in here and there would be no reason for us to come in here and do praise and worship if we didn't have any access to him. If we can't reach him in in any way. We are now members of God's household, which kind of speaks to adoption, uh, that we are adopted into God's family. We are adopted into his house, and we live 
with him. We are his children. That's who we are as the church. We are his children. And this week, I've caught myself a couple times. Uh, Judah got blocks for Christmas, uh, the little ones that you can stack. He got these blocks for Christmas. And I was sitting there reading my Bible last night, and I just kind of looked over, and I saw him, like, trying to figure one of them out. And I was just watching him, like, what is he doing? Like, he would try to stack it, and then he'll put one in his mouth and hold the other one. Then he tried to stack it together, and I was like, what is going on? And I wonder sometimes, does God do that to us and just look like, what are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? Uh, and then the next one is, uh, we are a dwelling place for God. We are a holy temple building ourselves up, uh, and we are being built together. And that says that in Ephesians chapter 2, I think verse 22 it is. So that brings us to Ephesians chapter 3, verses number 1. And we're going to try to get through Ephesians uh, chapter 3, the whole chapter to, today. Uh, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner uh, of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Now that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages has, was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to the, by the Spirit to the holy apostles and the prophets. Verse number six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs in, of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ, through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Now, I'm going to stop there, and then we'll take another section as we go. Now, verses 1 through 7 are Paul's reasons for his ministry, why God called him. This is, this is, what Paul, this is the reason why Paul feels that he was called by God. All right, unlike the other uh, apostles that we see, they walked with Jesus his whole life. They walked with him, the, not his whole life, sorry, let me fix that, during his whole time of ministry, which was about three and a half years. They walked with Jesus, and they were called by him, and they lived with him. And when he died and when he resurrected, he showed himself to those apostles. Now, Paul is a little bit different because he comes along a little bit later. Uh, even though he does see the risen Christ, Jesus comes back and shows him himself and calls Paul then. But Paul gives us reasons. Uh, I want you to remember as we go through this that he uh, made a transition in chapter 2 where he was speaking uh, specifically to the Gentile Christians. So these were not the Jewish people that we read about in the Old Testament. These were the Gentiles who had no, didn't have the commandments, didn't have the law, they didn't have any of that. And Paul is speaking to them. They are us. We don't know anything about going and, you know, cutting some goat throat and sacrificing it in sheep. We don't know anything about that. And this is who uh, Paul is writing to. He says in verse number one, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. All right, right there, uh, I just want to point out that, uh, that Paul says, I think that version says, it says prisoner also? It says prisoner of Jesus Christ. How many of you are a prisoner? You feel as if you're a prisoner of Jesus Christ, that you are a slave to him. Or do you just pick and you get to pick and choose when you do what Jesus say? I'm just want you to check on yourself, because Paul, being the guy that we uh, that has written most of the epistles, we all want to get to his level. Obviously, we want to be like Jesus. We're not idolizing Paul, but this guy was so in tune that he wrote most of the New Testament. And he says, "I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ." That means I have to do what he says. I can't get away from it. I can't get out of it. 
How many of us feel like that? Are we in the midst of choosing? Because I tell you, if you're in the midst of choosing if you're going to do right or wrong, or if you're in that season, or if you're in the wilderness where you're not sure and you're still just, ah, I'm not really sure. I might want to go back to Egypt. I just want to encourage you to keep pushing because there gets a point. There comes to a, a time where you, it's time for you to walk in your Canaan. And there is no, you don't think about Egypt when you're in Canaan because Canaan is beautiful and it has everything that you need. Not that there's no uh, hardship there, but Canaan is what you need and you realize that. Verse number two, he says, if indeed you have heard uh, the dispensation of, of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, the dispensation right there, it's like, it's the stewardship, all right? So right here, he's talking about if you have heard about the uh, the stewardship, me speaking the grace of God and telling people about the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. We don't have to stay here long. I need to get through these verses quick because the next few verses is what I need to do. All right. So verse number three, how that by revelation or by an unveiling, he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. Somebody say mystery. All right, so what is this mystery that Paul is talking about? If you turn uh, the page to Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 9, this is what he's talking about when he says, we have, I've already briefly talked about the mystery. Uh, he says, having made known to us, uh, did I give you that one? I'm sorry. I should have. Everybody there in your Bibles, in your pages. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 9, he says, Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together, one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. We're going to go back to that in a second, but I, I just want to make sure you know what that is. We're going to go right back because we've got to figure out what is this mystery that Paul is talking about. Verse number four, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse number five, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the spirit of his holy apostles and prophets. I want to pause there for a second and I want to, I want to make this point to you that the Holy Spirit is a revealer of the things of God. Is a revealer of the things of God. Let me make this point. Um, thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, I've, in several Bible studies that I've done uh, over the last two weeks, I keep, this theme keeps coming up. I don't read my Bible because I don't really understand it. When I read it, I just, I just don't understand it. I, I, I don't know. I read it, and I just can't comprehend. I'm like, what is going on? And, and my argument to them, or, or what I've tried to encourage them to do, is to keep reading. Don't stop reading your Bible because you don't understand it. You keep reading it. And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal it to you as you continue to read. As you continue to dive into it and continue to read, and then you, let's say you start in Matthew and you start to read through, and in Matthew you find something, you're like, I don't understand what that means. And then you, and all of a sudden you hit it again in Mark, and then you hit it again in Luke. And then it's like, oh, I'm starting to get a picture of what they're saying right there. And then you keep reading and you get to the epistles, and then maybe one of the epistles, they write about it even more. 
and it begins to give you a picture. And as you continue to read, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to you that you didn't understand when you read it before, but all of a sudden you understand it now. The Holy Spirit is a revealer of the things of God because uh, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about how the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. And the Spirit is the only thing that can know the deep things of a man, is what it says also. And, it's Holy, and the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can know the deep things of God because he searches out the deep things of God and he's able to reveal them to us. So it's time for some of us in here to tap into the Holy Spirit that is within you. You have a Holy Spirit in you if you are a believer, but if you never tap into it, if you never try to hear his voice, if you never try to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I can tell you, you are living a failing life as a Christian because the Spirit it makes us victorious because he tells us to do things that our flesh and our mind don't make sense at times, but it's the Spirit of God that understands what God wants for us. And we have to learn to hear his voice. Some of us don't listen to the Holy Spirit because we don't know the difference between his voice and ours. We've never shut our voice up inside long enough to hear what his voice sounds like to us. And sometimes you have to go to the point where if you really want to hear the Holy Spirit, I really got to shut some stuff up. I really need to fast. I really need to pray. I really need to turn off my TV, turn off my radio, and I really need to hear what he's saying. If you really want to hear the voice of God, you have to turn off everything that's in your ear so that you can hear what he is saying. The Holy Spirit is what causes us to walk victoriously. The Holy Spirit is the thing that reveals to us when in the middle of my trials, in the middle of my tribulation, the Holy Spirit whispers something in your ear that you, didn't even, you couldn't think of on your own to get you through the next day. The Holy Spirit does that. But if we don't tap into the Holy Spirit, if we don't listen to him, if we continue to quench the Holy Spirit, we will always walk in failure even though we're victorious in Christ, but we choose not to hear his voice. Whoa. Okay, that shocked me. <laughs> All right. Where was I? Verse number six? No, I was in seven, five. All right, so let's go to verse number, uh, verse number six. And we're going to go to six, but I'm going to tell you what happened in five because I went on a tangent. In 5, he talks about how the mystery of God was not revealed to the past generations. So Jeremiah and Malachi and David, and, and none of them, they, they, they didn't get the revelation that Paul is about, that Paul and the other apostles got. It was hidden from them. And in verse number 6, he's going to give us what the mystery is. All right, in verse number 6, it says, my page is ripped up, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. What is it saying now? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the people that came through that lineage, the Jewish people, they were God's people. They knew about the promises of God. They knew that a Messiah was coming to save them. But what was hidden from them was the fact that how was the whole world going to be saved, not just the Jewish people? How was God going to save everybody? How is he going to save the Gentiles? It hadn't been revealed to them. It was only revealed to the apostles when the Spirit came, when the Holy Spirit descended upon men. That mystery was hidden uh, to all the people of old. And then uh, why? It was, it's a, such a great mystery. They become fellow heirs with 
the Jewish people. They get to uh, uh, they get to take part in the inheritance that God is going to pass down. Let me say, I keep saying they, we, because that's us. We get to partake into the inheritance that they are going to receive with, from God the Father. Verse number seven, uh, for of which I became a minister according to the gifts of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. All right, I'm going to stop there and let's go to 8. And I'm going to read 8 through uh, 13. I'll read 8 through 13 because then he starts the, a prayer. Uh, so verse number 8 says, To me, who am, less than, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Go back to verse number, oh, wait, I said I would go through it. Go ahead, go to 10. Uh, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, I'm going to go to 14, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him, Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. Now, my ADD kicked in, and I heard the baby cry. And I was reading, but I wasn't understanding what I was reading. <laughs> so let me go back to verse number eight. I had a hard time in school, if you can only imagine. So, uh, Paul here talks about uh, these unsearchable riches of Christ. I'm going to read verse 8 one more time. Uh, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable, we can, we can change that into incalculable. Like you, you can't calculate the riches of God, that we cannot uh, put a measure on the riches of God. That's how rich he is. Like we can say, you know, somebody has $100 billion. That's a lot. But God, you can't put a number on it. And so we have to understand that if God, and we're going, I don't want to go, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to get to that verse in a second. Let's go to verse number nine. Uh, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery or what is the stewardship or how do we, uh, how do we handle or manage the grace of God that's been given to us because it's not ours. How do we, how do we manage and spread the, uh, the grace of God, which is the gospel? How do we spread the gospel? That's what Paul is saying, how he spreads the gospel, how he was called. Uh, that has been hidden in God. Let's get to verse number 10 because this is my verse right here for us. Our purpose, the purpose of the church. Look at this. Uh, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God. Let's stop there. Let me give you this. Manifold, it means multifaceted. It means uh, a lot of layers, a lot of folds to it. Many different levels. There's so many different levels of wisdom that God has that we can't comprehend. When we think of wisdom, we think of, you know, somebody is wise. But God has so much wisdom that there's many layers to it that we can't understand, that we can't fathom. That's why the wisdom of God is within the spirit. That's why it's good for us to hear the spirit because God knows things that we don't know. God can, God sees eternally and he speaks stuff to us that doesn't make sense in our sense of time. But eternally it makes sense to him. And we can't understand it. I, I can't wait till we get to this next part. I hope y'all wake up in just a second. Uh, that God has the, so much wisdom 
that we can't, we can't manage to understand one level of his wisdom. He has manifold wisdom is what it says. All right. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God. Now, when we look at the wisdom of God, I got to show you this. I wrote it down right here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 7. I'll get there. You don't have to go. I'm going to read to you about the wisdom of God. And Pastor Dylan and I think myself both talked about this. Uh, on a, he did it on a Wednesday a couple weeks ago. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 7, he says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. God, God ordained this wisdom before us, before we were created. What do you guys think that he's talking about? I'm going to leave that out there again. I, I ask you a question. What do you think he's talking about right there? The wisdom of God that was preordained before time. Somebody said it already. He was talking about Jesus. The wisdom of God is Jesus. The wisdom of God is the gospel. Let's keep reading for just a second. Verse number eight, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse number eight, I want to I wanna show you all something. He said that none of the rulers of that age, he was talking about that time, um, they knew what the wisdom of God was. They didn't know what it was. Why didn't they know? He's not saying that if they knew, they would have loved him. That's not what he's saying. That's not the point he's making there. If they would have knew that Jesus was really the Messiah, he was really God, he was really King of kings and Lord of lords, that they wouldn't have killed him. That's... They wouldn't have killed him. Why? Not because they loved him. They wouldn't have killed him because they didn't want him to become supreme. If they would have knew the plan, Satan would have never killed them. If he would have knew that it was Jesus' death that was going to cause him to be victorious, he would have never killed them. You know what? You can live to 65 if you want to, Jesus. He would have never did it. And that's why God had to hide it from them. He had to hide it from him. From the rulers of the age. And in this phrase in verse number 9, he, he gives us this. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. He hid it so that the enemy wouldn't know the plan. And then watch this. Go back to verse number 10. Now, what is the purpose of the church? Uh, in Ephesians, yeah. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by who? By the church. That God's wisdom, that the gospel, that Jesus Christ would be made known by us, the church. Universal church, all the way down to the individual. Okay? Watch this for who, though? To who? To the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. What is that talking about? To the devil and to demons. That we are supposed to be walking around, not just by what we say, but how we live to the point to show that the gospel has so much wisdom in it. That God was so wise when he thought of his plan of what he was going to do with Jesus that the devils couldn't even comprehend it to stop it, even if they wanted to. And we're supposed to live our life, and the devil, demon is supposed to be like, what in the world? Why are they still praising this guy? I, I, I just killed this person. I just destroyed this person in their life, and they're still giving praise to God. We're supposed to live a life that causes the demons to realize, man, that God was wise. 
I don't know how that don't get y'all excited, but it show we're supposed to make the devil and his demons angry as the church. Every time he realizes, man, he got me. I thought I had the plan. I thought I had killed him. I thought it was all over with. But every time he sees our life, every time he sees our walk, every time he hears us speak, the devil is like, man, I thought I had him. And we are representing the wisdom of God. The church, the church, that's what we are supposed to be doing. That is our purpose. That is one of our purposes, not our only purpose. Let me make sure I say that is one of our purposes, to walk around making the devil angry every day. I had an incident in my house a few nights ago, um, and I just, I went in and I said, listen, uh, Satan, demon, whoever you are, you think you can come in here and terrorize my daughter? You already know I don't play like that. This is, this is not what we do. So you can get up out of here tonight because if you try to come back, if you try to bring anybody else back, it's going to get worse for you. And I told Tagiri, I said, listen, you just pray. You ain't got to be afraid of anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything that you see in this room. You just speak truth to it. Now, I ain't got time for you. Sorry. I believe in Jesus. You want to meet him? I can tell you about him. That's scaring some of y'all. Okay. <laughs> scaring some of y'all. Okay. All right. We fight an enemy. Okay. We fight an enemy. Let me read verse 10 again. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities uh, and powers in the heavenly places. Uh, I wrote right here um, that God wisdom is many layer. It goes beyond flesh. Uh, I can't read the last part of that. But verse number 11 says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This has been his plan from the beginning. For us to rule and to reign over Satan and demons and over this earth. This has always been God's plan. And he knew he was going to have to send Jesus Christ for us to walk and live in that and walk a victorious life. And to be able to rule and reign. This has been his plan. Verse number 12. In whom? In Christ. We have boldness to speak truth and to stand up for what we believe. And we have access to God with confidence. We don't have to be worried about, like, do I get to talk to him this time? Can I get into his presence now? No, we have access with confidence. Through faith in him. Verse number 13 says, Therefore I ask you that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. I wrote something down. I didn't write too many notes, but I wrote something down on this one. Paul, in verse number 13, is basically saying, don't worry about the suffering I'm going through because every time I'm afflicted and I get up and I continue to walk out the calling that God has for me, I'm making the devil and his buddies know and understand that their cunningness is not greater than God's wisdom. Satan is cunning among all the beasts of the field. But his cunningness is not anywhere near the wisdom of God. And Paul says, don't worry about me getting afflicted. It's not going to end here. Trust me, God knows what he's doing. You should rejoice in my tribulations. 
Because every time I get up, I'm showing the enemy that the wisdom of God is way greater than him, is way greater than his power. And then Paul switches here, and, and then he begins to pray for the church of Ephesus. In verse number 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I really need to get back to this. When I was in youth, I used to write letters to all the kids every now and then. And it, it made a big impact because one of them brought it up not too long ago, like a year ago. Somebody came to me about it. Uh, verse number 15, let's get that and look at this, his prayer. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, verse number 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Stop there. Okay, so it says that God would grant them uh, according to the riches of his glory. How rich is God? Remember we pointed that out earlier? Unsearchable, incalculable, you can't count it. It's just, he's great. So Paul is saying here, he's praying that they are uh, strengthened according to those riches. So beyond calculation. That they would be strong enough that nobody can even measure their strength. A peace that passes all understanding. It just doesn't make sense. He says, I'm praying that you guys be strengthened. Did I write that down? Please tell me I wrote it down. Uh, Strengthen. It means to have a mastery, to have the upper hand. He says, I'm praying that you have the upper hand and with the ability. How do we have this strength and this ability? We have it through the spirit in the inner man to the real us, not to our flesh. We don't need strength in our flesh. We can be sick as a dog and still have power and strength through God. We can still have that power. And we can still walk in what God has called us to walk in. I don't care what, God, what happens to this body because they're all, we are all decaying, all at different uh, rates, but we're all decaying. Uh, some of us faster than others. Can I get amen? All right. <laughs> we're all decaying. But does that mean that God can't strengthen us in our inner man, in our spirit? Remember, we, I think this was a long time ago. This might have been January when we were in uh, renewal. And when, uh, it's the verse in Colossians. It, talked, it talks about how the, uh, you are being renewed day by day. And we looked at the definition. It means to, be making, to make younger day by day. Our spirit is being made younger and given energy that we had in our youth, even though our flesh, our bodies are getting older. And, it, and that's why I, us as Christians, we can still walk in victory no matter what's going, happening to our body and to our minds. We can still walk in victory because God can strengthen our inner man. That's our prayer. That's what Paul says, I'm praying for you. Verse number 17, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted, rooted, it gives us the sense of a plant being rooted, being dug down. I think it's Jeremiah 17, 1, uh, a tree planted by a river. All right, doesn't matter about the environment that it's in because it's always going to be getting the nourishment that it needs from the river. That's who we are as Christians. We are planted in God, and don't matter what environment we find ourselves in, we will always be growing because the river that flows from God, from Jesus Christ, will always, always keep us with the nutrients and having the water and, that we need and deserve. Not deserve, that we need. Rooted. And then it says, and grounded. Grounded uh, gives us the sense of a building having a great foundation. So not only are we planted, but we have a great foundation on the rock that is Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to be grounded, and I want you to be planted in love. 
in godly love. That's not just a love, whatever you think it is in your head. That's that 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love, which is not only for married folks. It's for love for everybody. Okay, I'm supposed to be patient and kind with everybody and selfless with everybody. All right, I know we all trying to get there, but that's what, that's what he's talking about, that we be grounded in that, that we may, be, we may be able to comprehend, to grasp, to lay hold of with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That word know, the first one, to know, is not like a mind knowing. It is a, we've looked at this before, it is an intimate knowing, being able to experience. All right, he says, I want you to be able to experience the love of Christ. I'll ask you this, you don't have to answer it, but I want you to answer it in your head. Has anybody ever been in, in the presence of God so much so you knew you were in the presence of God? Not like when, you know, we come in here and we sing worship songs and the presence of God is here. We know he's here. His word says he's here. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there. We know he's here. But, I mean, you've been maybe by yourself and praying and worshiping on your own, and you felt the presence of God, the manifest presence of God come in the room. He says, I want you to know. This is what Paul is praying for the church. And this is my prayer for you, that you know the love of God. Not that you have a knowledge that Jesus died for you. Okay, knowledge can only take you so far. But when you know, when you've had those moments and you know God was in the room and you felt his love and you felt that shame because he is so holy and you couldn't open your mouth to get the words out to say anything to him. When you know his, the, for them to know the love of Christ, what passes, and that's what gives us this, passes knowledge. Not a mind thing. I don't, I don't, I, I like that you can give me uh, what the gospel is. I like that you know the love of Christ through knowledge. You know your word, but have you experienced it? Have you walked with him? Have you spent time with him? Have you been able to just get by yourself and just be able to talk with him and allow him to hold you and allow you to feel his presence and to feel how small you are within his hands? That's, what I, that's my prayer for you. Not that you just know. We got to get beyond just knowing. We need to experience the love of Christ. We need to experience it. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God, the completeness of God. It's not just a knowledge. It's an experience that fills us up. And we have an understanding. Once we're full, we have this understanding that there is no thing that can come against me that can stop me. And even if it comes against me, I can keep pushing and I can keep walking because I know that God has called me to him. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get to him, to get closer to him, to grow in him. That is what this verse is talking about. That is the prayer that Paul has for us, to know, to know, to know, to know, to experience. I know I keep saying that, to experience. If you have not been in those moments, if you haven't been in that place in a long time, you need to get back to it. I don't care that you did it 20 years ago. If you ain't been in his presence lately, that's an issue. You need to be reminded of his love. You need to be reminded of his holiness. There is nothing, nothing, nothing like the presence of God. If you are not striving after it, you're missing out. If you think you know God because you know some of the Bible, well, okay. 
Okay. Oh, good job. Good job. I, this is the authority. I understand that. And the Bible is high on my list. That's not what I'm saying. But there comes a time that you, this word helps us to understand him to the point that we can get to him and experience him. You have to experience God. And once you get to that, once you've experienced him, you can never walk back into this building or go anyone else, anywhere else and try to worship and not try to get back into his presence. Because that's all you truly want to do at that point. Can I give you some insight? It's difficult. To get into that presence is difficult. Don't think you're going to be like, well, I'm going to set a time schedule. I'm 30 minutes and I'm going to get into God's presence. If I can give him 30 minutes, you know. God will honor that depending on where your maturity level is and who you are. But you don't, put, you don't set a time limit on it. You're just like, you know what? From now on, until I get into his presence, I'm just going to go in this room and worship. I'm just going to go in this room and pray. I don't know how long it's going to take you to get in there. I don't know how long it'll be before you feel that. But he honors when you, when you search after him. He says, those who seek after me with all their heart, they will find me. They will find me. That's not like a, oh, I can get saved verse. Right? We say that as like a, hey, if you seek after God, he'll find you. You can get saved. You'll be all good. No, if you seek after God after you get saved, he'll allow his presence to come in so you can feel him and you can know him in a different way. All right, I'm taking too long, I think. Verse number 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I was thinking about making that a shouting verse, but we shout about that verse all the time, and there's other verses we can shout about. All right, never mind. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go back to verse 20. I got to make a point there. Uh, now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to what? The power that works in us. Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is God, that means the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. So he can do, that's why he can do exceedingly, abundantly, whatever we can ask or think. Because the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. Remember, I keep going back to that. It keep pointing to that in, the, in this verse about the Holy Spirit. You have to be able to lean into the Holy Spirit to hear his voice. And sometimes you just have to shut everything up around you so you can know his voice. I'm, I'm finished. So that you can know his voice. If you don't know what the Holy Spirit sounds like, if you don't know what it sounds like to feel, and I keep saying sound. Sometimes it's not something you hear. Some people hear God that way. Uh, it can be different. If you don't know how God speaks to you, how are you ever going to answer him when he says something to you? That's a question I used to get in youth all the time. How do I know when God's speaking to me? Well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to fast. I want you to pray. I want you to turn off all that other nonsense. Keep yourself pure and clean. And I want you to listen for the Holy Spirit. Make sure you, and, and I'm not giving you laws. I'm just telling you the easiest way that you can hear him. You got to free yourself of all the other noise that's going on. And then pray to him and talk to him. And when you hear him, Remember that voice. I promise you, you probably won't, you won't forget it. You'll know that voice. And then you can walk, you, you can live out your life 
knowing his voice when he starts to, for me, it's like an urging that I can't resist. It's like, right, like it's pulling me. And he's like, you need to do, and I, for example, let me give you an example, and I'm going to finish. I'm sorry. If I'm in the store or riding in a car and I see somebody on the side of the road or something like that, and I feel that you need to turn around. One time, I'll never forget this. I was coming from my house. I was trying to get to the church because I had something to do. I had to clean up or something. I knew I had to get it done before whatever else I had to do that day. And I was like, I don't have time to stop. I'm having this conversation with God. I don't have time to stop. And he's like, you, you better turn around. Turn around. And I'm like, I don't have time. So I still I didn't listen to him. Came to the church, cleaned up, and I was going back. And I was like, Lord, if I'm really supposed to talk to this man, let him be sitting out there. Now, I really don't mean this when I'm saying it. So let me tell you the intentions of my heart. I was like, please don't let this man be out here. I really need to get home and do what I got to do. And I'm passing by, and I'm trying not to look. And I, and he was right there. And I just had to turn around. I was like, all right, I'm done fighting. I'm done fighting with you. I hear you. I'm done fighting. But that's because I spent time. I know his voice. I know it ain't just me talking to myself because me didn't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't want to do it at all. But he was speaking to me, and, I, and we made a connection there. And I, I don't even, I need to go find him again. But this guy had been through a lot, and I got to pray with him and share with him. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And he has a wisdom that we don't understand. So, hear God's voice. Take the time to listen out for him. Stop listening to yourself and you talk in your head. Try to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He's wiser than us. And he allows us to walk victoriously. And he reveals to us the things of God. Lift your hands in this place with me just a moment. God, we thank you for being good. Your Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. You are welcome in our hearts, God. You are welcome uh, to be in us, to dwell in us, God. We are your holy temple. Help us, God, to keep our temples clean, God, to keep them pure, to keep our idolatry out of the temple, God, so that you can dwell in there just exactly how you would like to be, so that you can be comfortable within us, God. Forgive us for our sins, God. Forgive us for those things that we have placed above you, Father. Forgive us for holding on to things that we should have let go long long ago. Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit begin to speak. I ask that you begin to speak to these people, God, that are in this room, that they are, that they have an ear to hear what you are saying, and that they can't say no. They can't resist what you are speaking to them. We thank you, Father, for who you are, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all say it. Amen, amen, amen. amen.